welcome to a very special episode 3 of Kid You Not, the podcast on children's literature. You can find our blog at kidyounotpodcast.com or subscribe on iTunes. Today, we have Clementine's interview, which about a summer flu tragically prevented me from attending, with the fabulous Jonathan Stroud, author of the Bartimaeus books, The Last Siege and The Leap, amongst many others. Jonathan has a unique perspective on writing due to his time spent editing books for children at Walker Books. Here he reveals his attitude towards the changing role of the writer, the political dimensions of his writing, and what his character Bartimus would say to Stephen Hawking. Jonathan Stroud, welcome to Kid You Not. It's a pleasure to be here, thanks so much. So my first question is, at Kid You Not we always try to raise the profile of children's literature and to make people understand why it's important to read children's literature, to write children's literature, to study children's literature. What could you say to help us in this endeavour? Gosh, a a nice easy question to start with. Um, Well, I think children's literature is is crucial for all of us and most people, if they analyse which uh, books mean most to them, even when you're a jaded adult, the books you return to, uh, the ones that are deepest uh, in you, are usually the ones you read when you were uh, young, either either very young or as a as a teenager. So uh, it's a, it's a crucial period uh, for, for the individual, and the books that uh, that operate uh, for that age range are um, have, have the potential to to reach you in ways that, that adult books, I, I, I think, I think don't. There's also a sense in which you can have your cake and eat it because uh, a children's book is able to play around with story and have all, all sorts of all sorts of fun and games with uh, with narrative, but you can you can pour in as much meaning as you like as well. So uh, they, they can be really quite complicated uh, texts as well as being um, very good fun. We're going to talk about your experience in publishing. You worked in publishing before becoming an author. First of all, is the publishing world full of aspiring authors in hiding like you were? Um, yeah, I think there are a few kicking around. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I had various colleagues uh, in my publishing house who, who also were, were scribbling away in their in their spare time. Not not everyone though. I think I think people have either have an itch to write or, or you don't. Um, everyone in children's books pretty much loved loved children's writing and loved, loved the books. But uh, editors have a, have a certain means of reaching it, um, uh, which which is slightly different from uh, from people who actually have that, that urge urge to write. Well, exactly. So you've worked in publishing. Is it right to say that you're perhaps more aware of trends? Does it sort of influence you in your writing or does it hinder you in your writing in any way? It was a, uh, a very important apprenticeship for me to be uh, an editor. I, I did uh, English Lit at university, which meant that I obviously had a very uh, good idea about, about texts and about um, narrative and about uh, writing in a kind of abstract sense. But there was, there was a kind of practicality uh, that, I, that I lacked, and, and I spent about seven years in working in various different editorial departments, uh, learning um, about how books worked, how they were put together, how you uh, uh, integrated with the design departments, the editorial departments, going out on the street and talking to booksellers um, and becoming aware of the whole commercial aspect uh, of it um, and, and fundamentally about the, the, the business of actually playing around with words and cutting and the fact you can't just write what you want, you've got to have to uh, uh, shoehorn it into a particular space and for a particular market. All those different areas uh, were, were, were crucial. So when I, when I went off and actually 
to uh, began writing my own stuff. I I I, I was I wasn't doing it in a vacuum. I had a, I had a clear idea that what I what I did was going to have to be uh, altered or was going to have to to fit into uh, the, these these external factors. And that's been a really useful background uh, for me. That, that for me that that was the, that was the essential thing. It seems like authors these days have to do a lot for their readers. I mean, having a look at your website. First of all, you have two websites. There's a special Bartimaeus website um, about one of your characters, um, and in there there's a blog that Bartimaeus has, and there's a, a map of London with different, what well, we would say, extra material. Um, how important it is, is it for modern authors to provide this kind of enhanced experience of reading? It's becoming more and more an essential element of what you do. That you that you not not only provide uh, your your fundamental text, but you also have all kinds of extras. It's, like, it's, like, it's the old DVD phenomenon where you have your you have your movie, and then you, at the end of it, you have all the all the extras and the deleted scenes, all the rest of the stuff which uh, is considered to be important these days. And it and it is good in many respects, but um, you have to be careful that you don't, as, as a writer, that you don't spend all your time doing the do, doing the, the, the the frilly bits on the edge and, and neglect the the essential um, story at the, at, um, at the beginning. As a, as a children's writer in particular, it's important that you engage with your, with your audience. Uh, the most important way of doing that is to go out to schools uh, and actually meet, meet children face-to-face. But then uh, on, on, a, on a secondary level, you can communicate with them through letters, uh, emails, and now with, with the social media, there are all these new opportunities um, to, to interact very, very rapidly with people across the world, so that I'll, I'll suddenly get a via Twitter, I might uh, suddenly get somebody sending me a visual of, of Uh, an Indonesian version of Heroes of the Valley, which is which is amazing. Something that I would I wouldn't have happened five five years ago, let alone let alone ten. So I, I can immediately then spread that to other people, and you get, have a kind of global response to to something that was actually quite far away. So it, it's there's a tremendous amount of, of potential for, for the author, but fundamentally you have to then say, okay, but a certain number of hours a day I've got to go away and actually do some some writing because that's really what what it's all about. It seems like authors might need to have some kind of a split personality these days because there's this. Very very sort of solitary work of writing and then there's this interactive work of, work of uh, engaging with your audience as you say um, doesn't that make publishers more wary of taking on authors who might perhaps not have the ability to do this kind of side work that's a really good question uh, I, I think um, yeah 10 years ago 15 years ago you could be uh, a brilliant writer um, and be a, to- be a total introvert and happily spend all your time in your, in your little attic garret room Never go out. It wasn't. It wasn't an issue. Now you are required to be able to go out and and have a public face and and be through those paces. If you're the kind of person who who profoundly dis- dislikes that, uh, then it would be very hard for you. I think publishers are getting quite good. At, they have very good publicists who are able to uh, uh, nurture talent and kind of encourage you to find ways to express yourself um, publicly. I mean, personally, I, I actually enjoy it. It, it is a schizophrenic uh, experience. You, I'll spend six months of the year just being completely solitary in my own my own world creating worlds and that's 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 a wonderful thing at the end of that time I'm, I'm very happy to put on a different different kind of hat and go out and uh, sing and dance and, and talk about my my work and you, you get a, a different kind of fulfillment from that and it's also it also means that sometimes you have to branch off into others media so we're talking about websites but also you wrote a graphic novel uh, from Bartimaeus um, is that natural for you or is that something that has to be learned and something that has to be developed over time it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a combination I think uh, some things um, are, are more natural than others I personally for example the graphic novel I, I, I was delighted to get involved with that because as a child I read lots of, of comics um, it was it was a, an important 
important part of my of my reading experience, as I, as I think it is for a lot of a lot of children. Um, so that that was that was relatively easy to do. Things like the website, however, that was that, that was completely new. Um, it was it was easy for me. I, I I needed to have other people to come and, and help me uh, devise the, the the actual structure of the website. Having said that, though, you can actually take take a website as being like a, a miniature book. It, it has the same principle. You've got to you've got to devise a structure. You've got to um, plan the elements together. Um, have a sort of narrative. And, and curiously enough, when I was a, when I was a child, I used to write lots of um, uh, multiple choice adventure books where you had different routes through um, through uh, to, to find different endings. And actually, websites um, uh, operate in exactly the same principle, uh, as indeed do Bartimaeus footnotes in, a, in, in another way. Um, the, you, your, your reader has has different op, uh, options. Uh, they, their reading experience can can go in different directions, um, and that's actually quite a, quite an interesting um, and prevalent uh, phenomenon, which which I'm which I'm interested in. So, uh, doing, devising a website is is actually quite good fun, but it takes you know a couple of months, two or three months, and it'll be like doing a, a miniature book. So you, you have to you have to plan for that. And how do you see the future of children's publishing in this light? Because you're talking about this sort of different reading experience, which seems very different from even when I was a child. So readers these days develop new forms of literacy. I mean, educational research shows us that they're much more multimodal. They're also um, perhaps much less able to, to focus on longer pieces of text. Do you think publishing is taking into account these changes? And if so, what is uh, the children's book of 2050 going to look like? <laughs> well, I, I think I think uh, readers... Ch- children's literature is always interesting because you, it's, it's an overlap between uh, children who, who are very young, who are fantastic readers. Other 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 readers might, might be years behind them in, in, in how they, they approach text. So you have to have a, a multiplicity of different kinds of reading experience available. So I, I think in the future you will always still have the, uh, the, the big fat old novel which, where, which provides the, 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 the reader with the ability to um, immerse themselves in a, in a world at their own pace, spend a week um, in exploring some kind of uh, a, a created universe. That, that's always going to be, be a thing. However, yeah, you're quite right, I think you're going to need, there, there are going to be more and more different ways of, of approaching uh, Texts which are which are shorter, which are much more interactive, where 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 visuals and text are, are much more playful. It's that, it's that playfulness, I think, that interactivity, which is the which is the the buzzword. Ebooks clearly are are, are suddenly now becoming um, the, the, the the their potential is being unlocked now. It's, it's, for years, people have been saying, "Oh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting," but until recently, no one's really had any idea of how it's going to operate. And I think now, the next the next five years or so, we're going to see uh, an explosion on that on that side. So, so it's a very exciting area to be in, but I think as a as a reader and as a writer, you have to be quite flexible. What advice would you give to authors now who might feel a bit lost or a bit confused or even dazzled by all these possibilities and might be a bit scared of you know just of just writing? I think, well, fundamentally, uh, the the discipline remains the same. You have to be able to sit in a in a room on your own, uh, creating something uh, for hours on end, and, and have the discipline to to do that. When you when you start writing a text, you're, you're never quite sure what it what it's going to end up as. So that's, that's my experience. You you might have an idea that you want your your uh, book to be a, a, a great war and peace type novel, but actually, until you until you to, to, until you do it, until you're in the middle of it, you, you you're often quite unclear about, about its length or about its personality. I think that's still, that's still always going to be the case. Um, now, there are, there are so many more ways in which you might well be able to, to make, bring your text to fruition. Actually, it will probably be, be easier in some respects. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll write something that ends up being very short. Well, that's not a problem because you'll be able to perhaps do it, to do it in an electronic format or you do it by, 
you might be able to publish it by the, via the web in some way. Um, I mean, in fact, podcasts are a are in themselves a, 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 a creation of a, of, a, of a text, and this me, me chattering away in a, in a noisy cafe is actually in itself a text which can be analysed and taken apart and transcribed or whatever you like. Um, so it's, it's it's that much more. Um, uh, it, it's very exciting and it's flexible and, and, and um, if you're if you're if you're brave and, and ultimately hardworking, then um, you'll you'll be fine. We're going to talk about your books now, so about children's literature in general, and more focusing on on your books and on text. Um, do you read children's books? Which ones do you read? Which ones do you like? Um, I do read children's books. I, I, I tend to uh, vary my my, read, my reading between children's fiction, adult fiction, classics, and uh, I, I, I tend to mix it up. Uh, I don't like to be too uh, too cornered in, in, in my reading. Um, recently, what have I liked? Um, I've, I've enjoyed uh, The Hunger Games uh, by Suzanne Collins, which I which I read and thought was absolutely, absolutely fantastic. I and mean, it, ha- it has that compulsive readability which would, which is des- desirable in in fiction of uh, of any age. Um, so so thrillers like that. I enjoyed uh, Chris Priestley's Ghost Stories. That they're they're, they're um, excellent too. Um, yeah, a whole host and, and picture books. My my children are um, are four and seven. So I'm I'm now um, exploring or re-exploring the whole picture book world. Um, there's a guy called um, Mo Willems um, in America who uh, does some fantastic books about elephant and piggy uh, which my, my, uh, my four year old son thinks are the funniest things in the world and until I actually read it out to him uh, I, did, I, I had no idea of, of what, I was, what I was unlocking and they're essentially comic books um, comic books and picture books uh, fused together, it's absolutely, absolutely fascinating He's on Twitter, you could communicate with him and tell him that Yeah, I've, I've, I know him I'm slightly because we're both published by the same uh, publisher in, in America and uh, yeah, he's, a, he's a good guy Do you decide to write for children or is it something that happens from the text that you write? I, I fell into children's literature to a certain extent because when I left university, I, I got a job at Walker Books uh, in in London, which is uh, well, obviously a well-known children's publishing house. And so, by, by chance, like that was the milieu I was working in. Um, when I began, I, my first few books were for Walker Books. They were puzzle books and they were they were they were game books and things. Um, so I, I kind of had my apprenticeship in that in that in that sphere. When I began writing my first my, my first work of fiction, um, which is one called Buried Fire. Um, it was almost naturally a uh, it was it was a children's book, and I think because the, the books that for me have meant the most as, as growing up uh, were were essentially uh, children's children's fiction, like C.S. Lewis's, *The Lord of the Rings*, *The Diana Wynne Jones*, um, *Treasure Island*, or all, all, all the all the classics that were floating about in the 1970s and, and early 80s. They were the ones that are, that are, are closest to my to my heart. So that, that was what I was trying to to replicate. So you mentioned earlier that you have a BA in English, and I'm going to ask you the same question as with publishing does it influence you in your writing do you analyze your own texts do you feel oh i can't do that that's a stereotype or i can't do that that's gendered or something like that <laughs> uh y- yes yeah, so, uh, having a ha- having an english lit degree is is important to me in that i have a certain de- uh, uh i guess an analytical ability which i have to say was honed as a, as an editor um it, it, to a, a mutually compliment complementary you're doing it as a as an academic discipline is is great um, it kind of gives you a, an overview and a kind of historical sense of what you're, what you're playing around with. Um, but then you also it's also very good to have that uh, that, that hands-on editorial experience, um, which, which is more, more more sort of practical. You know, you're getting your hands dirty. So that the two 
two, the two are very useful. When I, what, what I'll tend to do is I'll, I'll write a, um, a, a section of the book, uh, and then I will have a little break, and I'll, I'll come back a few days later, and I'll sit there with my editorial hat on, and I'll um, read it. And I, I think I'm um, I'm fairly good at, at, at analysing it and saying, okay, that bit doesn't work, that bit's rubbish. Which which is for I think for any any writer of any kind is is a is a useful trait to 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 learn, and you do learn it. You know, you 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 get less precious about what you write, and you come more just a little bit more detached and a bit more brutal with your own with your own writing. So you've written many many children's books, but it's um, the character of Bartimaeus that sort of stands out as a very very unusual and original voice, but also an original character, an original persona. How did you develop this voice? Bartimaeus was unique to me because if you ask me uh, generally about writing books or uh, characters, uh, I would say you have to sit down and just work at it, and the, and the characters emerge slowly. But in this, in in Bartimaeus's case, it's the one time where I sat down and the character emerged uh, fully formed um, uh, on in, on the first page. Uh, I, I I began writing the, the, this this idea to write a story from the point of view of a of a demon or a genie, uh, and that we were going to have the the normal conventions of the uh, of, of the fantasy genre turned upside down so that the, the human magicians were going to be the bad guys and we'd have a kid a, a kid magician but he wasn't going to be the hero it was going to be this, this demon and I had that idea I sat down and um, immediately on the very first page uh, Bartimaeus's voice just um, came came flooding out with all his um, his witticisms and his, his world weary uh, comments and his footnotes crucially they, it all kind of came out um, and I knew immediately that, that he was a he was a great character. I had no idea what the story was going to be or, or where, what I was going to do with him, um, but his but his voice was 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 fully formed. And I, I would dearly like to say that I'll have that experience again, but I'm not sure I can I can guarantee it. It's uh, it was quite it was quite a special thing for me. The Bartimaeus series uh, are action packed and you know they're, they're hero, a hero story too, but they're also political satire and, and social satire. And to an extent, I see some kind of a criticism of um, you know of, of power and authority and even slavery. Do you think of the political dimension of what you write and how you know how it can be transferred to the real world if, if it even exists yeah very very early on I I began to realize that there was quite a lot of potential uh, for, um, for to develop various themes um, I, I mean I think when, when you're writing a, um, uh, an adventure story like this you, you the, 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 the on the on the surface you need to have a good story with good characters um, and, and plenty of, of of action and events, so that the narrative is, is fun. Below that, you can you can have you can add all kinds of other things into the into the pot, and and uh, it's there for people to pick out if they wish. And I, I immediately realised, fundamentally, because of the two main characters, Bartimaeus and Nathaniel, his master, that you, it's, about, it's a power relationship, and Bartimaeus is a slave, and all the power of all the magicians, even even magicians like Nathaniel, who start out very idealistic um, and want to do want they want to do good, their their their, their power is based on slavery. And so the big question is. Can can that ever be good, or is that is that fundamentally uh, doomed, or, or, or fundamentally flawed? Which I would say it is. Um, and that that whole theme of of, of slavery and uh, a political fighting between various different factions of society is is, is teased out through the three um, books in the series. Uh, the, the girl Kitty, uh, who's a who's an ordinary a commoner, an ordinary girl in London, her story comes into play in the second book. And then you have these three characters: the demon, the uh, the the magician, and the the commoner. Who all can't stand each other to start with, uh, and they all 
representative or symbolic of, of a much wider sort of historical imbalance and the issue for them is can they find a way to uh, overcome these uh, these these old prejudices and you can have you can read into that as much as you like uh, you can you can you can link it into things in the real world a lot of I can have a lot of fun making sort of slight political digs in the footnotes um, as long as it's as long as it's sort of not too overt that, that that's great you you have to make sure the integrity of the of the story is is still uh, is, is still the, the primary uh, goal personally my favorite is uh, heroes of the valley um, and I think in heroes of, of the valley which is which is sort of inspired from Scandinavian legends from what I can tell there's an interesting theme that runs all through the book which is the idea that the stories that you tell children will condition their lives as adults uh, they will uh, restrict to an extent their freedom by presenting reality to them in a certain way by ins- you know instilling beliefs in them and to an extent I think Bartimaeus sort of has this theme as well with all the mythology and all the legends that are within the story of Bartimaeus you seem to be very inspired by these legends and, and myths which at the time you know were believed in so there's this whole theme of belief um, and reality and fiction and um, and truth uh, which are within these books which paradoxically are children's books what is your feeling towards um, that children's literature might truly condition a young person's uh, vision of the world that's a, wow it's a, yeah it's a fundamental question uh, I'm, I'm I'm very I'm very pleased that you like here is the valley because that's um, that's one of my favorite favorite books as well and you're absolutely right that the fundamental to that is the whole idea of story and the power of story and the fact that it can be used for good ends and uh, as, as a liberating tool but also it can be uh, it can be used to uh, the opposite it'll, it'll, it'll it can it can cut people off. It can it can shepherd people into uh, into conformity, um, which, which which that book is all about. And, you, and I hadn't thought about that. You're absolutely right. Bar- Bartimaeus. Um, part of the attraction of Bartimaeus is that he is he is kind of all made up of stories, and he he he's, he's co- he he throws them off um, like fireworks the whole time. He'll 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 name drop the fact that he hung out with Nefertiti and Cleopatra, and he'll um, or he was there in the Aztec time, and and he, he kind of th- and that that was an attraction for me because it, you you can you can kind of just build up this very very quickly you can build up this sort of sense of, 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 of his, historicity and, 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 and a worldview. Um, having said that, Bartimaeus is an unreliable narrator and um, he may well be, be lying half the time um, and, and, and part, of the, part of the attraction of his character is that he will, he will present you with this sense of this, this, he's, this being of great, great antiquity and great power and you know you, you, the, the sense of which how dangerous he is and he's done all these terrible things but actually there's, there's a difference between that and what, the way he actually operates when he when he's interacting with a with a child, be it Nathaniel or Kitty or, or Ptolemy or whoever, um, he is actually a much more attractive character because because of who he is, rather than the the, the, the there's a there's a there's a difference between the, between the stories and the actual actual character. So I guess I am I, I hadn't thought about it too much, but yeah, I, I guess stories are integral to to the Bartimaeus experience as well. And author and uh, adults, sorry, um, are unreliable narrators. I mean, Uncle Broder is an unreliable narrator and Bartimaeus is an unreliable narrator. What tells children that you're not an unreliable narrator? Well, I, I guess I'm unreliable as as well. That's uh, and that's part of the that's part of the fun of it. Um, <clears throat> of it, I think the the, the the fascination and the 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 joy of children's fiction, uh, good children's fiction, is that it um, it can kind of 
um, it can direct, or at least it, it can prompt. I mean, it, it, a good children's book prompts a, a reader to look at certain things, uh, open their eyes, uh, uncover new aspects of the world. But it doesn't actually force them to do anything about it or force them to uh, accept those worldviews. Um, for me, one of the good things about Bartimaeus is that he it has all these these political things, these satirical elements, sort of dotted around within it, which you can focus on if you like. Uh, when I sat down writing it, I I wanted it to be a book that would be read by, enjoyed by uh, uh, my 12-year-old self, and also by the adult I was when I was 31 writing it. Uh, and uh, I think that's that, that, that's what I've well, I hopefully what I've achieved that it has these these parallel um, purposes, and that it can be read by a, a child of eight quite happily, and by by someone of uh, of 68 uh, who will obviously read it in a, in a quite a different way. Your characters, um, especially your child characters, are quite arrogant, quite masculine, even even the girls. They're quite masculine in their traits. And yet, somehow it contradicts, you know, the image that, that we seem to have of you. I mean, on your website, it's you holding your baby on, uh, in, <laughs> in your arms. Uh, there's something slightly, strangely contradictory about that. Is there, is it something you think about, that you write very, very masculine characters, especially the children? Hmm, that, that's very interesting. I... Ah, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I'm aware that the uh, the characters I write are very spunky. Um, they tend to be quite. Uh, they, they tend to know what they want. They tend to be uh, quite verbal, um, quite argumentative. Um, I sort of pride myself on when I do female characters to, to avoid making them in any way girly. Um, but uh, but you're, you're, you're right. In a way, maybe I, I turn them into uh, make them quite masculine in many respects, or at least I give them traits which traditionally would be seen as masculine but I, I would regard as being um, being worthy traits in, in girls as well that would be my <laughs> That's obviously a, a, a topic for future future discussion. Um, I, I, I suppose I suppose I find that attractive to read about. Um, you, you need your characters to be fairly um, active as opposed to being passive. You can get a lot of humour out of characters who are who are uh, uh, verbal and slightly argumentative and not afraid to to um, uh, to, to, to argue with it, with each other. Uh, it'll be interesting to see as I as I go on whether I, I can create a character who is um, completely different from that but at the same time equally equally strong and affecting I suppose that's a, that's a challenge for me So uh, the traditional question, which children's book do you wish you'd written and why? <laughs> Well, when I get that question, I mean, there are so many great books. I, I tend, I tend to go to something like Treasure Island. Um, the reason being that uh, it is, it, 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 it does everything that I would aspire to do, which is that it, it's a, it's a wonderful adventure story um, with with a huge amount of thrills, and um, you've got all those, all those lovely um, uh, surface things. So you've got, you've got your skeletons, and you've got sword fights, and you've got pirates, and uh, absolutely thrilling stuff. At the same time, it's also a, a real work of, of literature. With amazing characters, fantastic language. Morally, it's very um, ambivalent. The, the most attractive character in it is is uh, Long John Silver, who's a who's basically an evil murderer. But at the same time, he, he verbally he's he's again wonderfully um, gifted and therefore uh, therefore charismatic. And so it, may, it, it you know I would say it's one of the very first modern um, novels, and, and it's it's a kind of fountainhead from which a lot of um, modern children's fiction ultimately springs. It's it's got, uh, it's, yeah, I could, I could warble about that for eight, forever. So yes, that would be my the, the 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 Everest to which I would I would want to um want to ascend eventually. 
Okay, our final question is a bit of a challenge. You went to, you went to St. Albans School, so you share the title of most famous old Albanian with Stephen Hawking, the physicist, and Adrian IV, the only British Pope. If Bartimaeus was to be summoned by one of them, which one would it be and what would Bartimaeus say to him? Probably about his vision of the universe, for example. <laughs> That's a fantastic question. Um, well, I think he would probably... I think Bartimaeus would probably prefer to be um, summoned by uh, Stephen Hawking uh, because he would have more respect for him uh, as uh, as somebody who's sort of intellectually questing. I think he would be rather ruder, probably, to Adrian IV. Although, I, I, who knows? I don't, I don't know much about Adrian IV. I, I expect he was probably quite an interesting guy as well. Um, you know, no, no doubt a, a man who, uh, with a certain political sense uh, if, he, if, he, if he was the only English guy to become Pope. So he would probably have been been fair game for Bart's uh, uh, sarcasm, but they might have got on all that as well. Jonathan Strad, thank you very much. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. And thank you very much for downloading this episode of Kid You Not. For more episodes, go to kidyounotpodcast.com. Bye! <laughs>